Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz are back at it tonight at home against the Clippers. Jazz going for their eighth straight win. PK talked about it uh, probably three, maybe four weeks ago, about this is a team that is capable of going on a hot streak and winning 17 out of 20 games. They've won seven in a row now. And they got a half dozen games to play between tonight and Christmas night, and then they hit the road uh, after Christmas for a couple games. But it's an intriguing stretch here. Is this the run? It's not out of the realm. They went 20 out of 21 last year. And with Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside, you can argue the bench is better this year than last year. I think you can argue it, and I think you can win the argument. Now they got to do it. So at this point, it's still hypothetical and conjecture. But I think we've seen enough from these two guys that that's how I expect it to play out. Now, you have injuries, you lose guys, either you lose bench guys or maybe starters get sidelined and bench guys become the starters, and now maybe the bench isn't as good. And I I think we did see that while Rudy Gay was out. So, and and Mike Conley was out, and then that forces someone, usually Joe, into the starting lineup. And so on those nights, now... The four bench guys are suddenly the two bench guys, and other guys have to play. And Pascal does some good things, but he's not at the level we've seen Rudy Gay at. I, I think you got to be pleasantly surprised. I don't know what you expected out of Rudy Gay. You are either getting everything you expected, or for those of you who had lower expectations, you're getting more than you expected. Uh, but I don't think anybody can th- say realistically they're getting shortchanged, unless you say I, I really thought he'd be healthy for the first ten games of the year. But you said that aside. Uh, since he's played, man, he's been good. And he's a good interview, too. Here is Rudy Gay m- meeting with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is that a focus, especially you know, with the rebounding help this team can have at times down low? I mean, what's, what's your thought on that part of the game? You know, I think uh, just opportunity. You know, um, you know, we're a possession team. You know, the more possessions we get, the better we are. We are. Um, Offensively, you know, and defensively, just, you know, defensive rebounds, just try to end the possession at the end of the day. So, you know, that's one one way also to, you know, insert myself into the game. In what ways is Quinn unique from other coaches? Um, You mean, it's, it's fewer ways he's like any other coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's different. He, he, he um, encourages us a different way. Um, Although, you know, this is my first year, but guys have been here. So, um, you know, he's different with, with it as far as, uh, you know, preparation for games. Um, he's passionate. He wants it. He wants to win. Um, and that makes us want to win for him. He said after the end of the Wizards game that he felt like the Jazz were a better team than they had been when the trip started. Where mm-hmm. have you kind of seen that manifest the most? I agree. Um you know, we've had some adversity. We had Hassan go out for two games. And, uh, you know, I've, as you know, defensively, we're a big man dominant team. And we still came out and, and, and be able to win in that second unit. Um, you know, offensively, I felt like it was the ball was moving, we were flowing. Um, and uh, these were some good teams. You know, a couple teams that, you know, Cleveland is a really good team this year. Um, and other other teams, uh, Philly, Donovan said he's never won in Philly. Um, you know, Minnesota's always been tough for this team. So, you know, this is a big a big test for us um, as far as growth. So um, I think that's what the coach meant by that. How difficult is it to kind of switch to that, like, I guess, switching defense versus just uh, having a big man there? Um, is it, is it, yeah, I mean, 
your strategy. You know, um, I think that's the one thing about being a basketball player, especially on this team, you got to be flexible, be ready for it. And any winning team, you know, be prepared for whatever comes your way. And, you know, it was just one of those tests for us. JJ Redick had Joe Ingles on his podcast and said something like 90% of NBA players aren't happy with the role they're playing. Like, they would prefer to either have the ball more or be doing something differently. You seem to really embrace just the, like, you will take whatever role you need. Was there a turning point in your career where that happened? <laughs> Injuries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Injuries. Um, you know, you, like, you just, you know, 90% of, of players aren't happy with them, but I say the other 10 are realistic. Realistic about, you know, where they're at in their career and what they can give to a team. So, um, you know, this is a league full of the best players in the world. A lot of international players that go back to the international uh, teams and, you know, they're that, they're that guy. They go back to their country, they're that guy. People who are from America, they go back to their city, they're that guy. They play in their little pro-ams and stuff. People come to see them. So, of course, people who expect more. But, you know, I think um, the, the team with the most guys that are realistic about, you know, how the team makeup is. That's the that's the teams that are most successful. You're kind of that guy coming out of high school, though, right? I mean, you were top recruit. You still have I mean, a lottery pick. Yeah, but everybody, you everybody was. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went two years, two years of college. Right? Yeah. So like, everything changed for you, probably versus what you expected. Yeah, I mean, school, right? like I, like for me, like I said, you know, early in my career, up until like I said before, San Antonio, I pretty much had the ball in my hands for most of the game. But you know, if you want to stick around and be here, I don't know too many people from my draft that are still in the NBA. You know, longevity, you got you to gotta be able to, you know, form the different roles, be able to do different things. And a lot of that is being realistic with yourself and also, you know, how you want to assert yourself on the team. You know, you, I don't ever want to compete with anybody on my team. I know I'm, I know what I can do. I know what I can bring. And I'm going to be the best at that. So, Did you kind of come up, come to be realistic yourself or did someone kind of sit you down and help? No, nah, it's me. You know, <laughs> the kind of injuries I had, like, of course, it's going to, take you back a step but you know I'm also 35 years old at this point I just want to win and be a part of winning, winning culture if that's not the case I take my ass home this is I have two kids that I can raise that's way that's way funner than going to work every day I'll tell you that <laughs> are there guys from your draft best still in the league like guys you worked out against do you remember just maybe maybe I'd say Kyle because we got drafted together Kyle Lowry LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. you know, who's had his troubles, but he's, he's back. Thank God. Um, P.J. Tucker. Ray John Rondo. Class. That's it. Good draft class. Better high school class. Paul Millsap. Just the Paul, oh, yeah, Paul, yeah. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, not too many. Not too many. Got to reinvent yourself every year, man. It's a draft every year. Got to give a team something. Is that is it a difficult adjustment, like being realistic with yourself or a talk with yourself? Because I mean, some players might have a tough time doing that. For you, was it tough to have that talk with yourself or no? No, I mean, yeah. do I think I can do more on this team? Probably, but you know, we're already good. Why do I have to? <laughs> why do I have to kill myself every night? I just want to contribute. <laughs> That's, that's, I don't. I don't get paid enough to do that. <laughs> I don't think my body could take it either. To be honest with you. Uh, so in the Wizards game, we saw JC, especially in the second half, kind of take on a little bit more of a playmaker role, and he talked about mm -hmm. afterwards about how, you know, 
he talks to so many coaches to tell him we're not letting you get off tonight that that's become something that he's decided like can be a fun thing for him figuring out how to get other guys involved have you seen him kind of evolve that way? I mean, it's just like just like what I just talked about. It's, you know, as you grow in your career, you pick up different things, and nobody's going to let you go out there and try to get 30 every night. This is the NBA. It's full of, like I said, the best players in the world, best defenders, everything. And, um, you know, JC's a great player, and he's he's way – he's not a one-dimensional player at all. It's just, you know, the role he assumed here was to score. And, you know, now that people are, are, are zoning in on that, he has to do something different, and he's being pretty good at it. When it comes to reinventing, like just uh, players in general, how long do you need to practice something before you're ready to do it in a game? I think it's just more. Um, at that point, it's more. It's more just reaction. Just reaction. Um, you know, sometimes people. Sometimes you know they have guys that are too one-dimensional, and once you take that away from them, they're just there's nothing they can do. Um, but those people that grow, and I and I talk to Donovan about that all the time because he, you know, just, you know, sky's the limit for him, and he can do so many different things. And um, you know, he has to, and he's getting, he's starting to get to a point where it's like I can, I can change this game in different ways, you know, other than scoring. And um, I think that's also what JC is starting to do. And, and this is, if I'm Coach Quinn, I'm I'm happy. I'm going to sleep happy because. You know, that's what we want from them. There is Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay, the Jazz, hosting the Clippers tonight. Spurs and Wizards back-to-back at home on Friday and Saturday. So three games in the next four days after having three ga- three days off. We'll see how this works out. The way they've been blowing teams out, the way they've been close, or maybe having a little bit of a lead at halftime, then just really open it up in the third quarter. And by the middle of the fourth quarter, you know, the they're going to the bench, which I think is big for guys like Mike Conley because normally – you know, he'd get five or six minutes of action at the end of the games, but if the game's over, then go to the bench, minutes off him, and now he's playing 24 or 25 minutes, and he seems to be capable to play back-to-backs. So I think uh, how they win tonight, certainly, assuming they win, um, but not just do they win, how do they win tonight, do they win Friday, how do they win Friday. Uh, if they win big and rest guys late, then they can run Conley out Saturday against the Wizards. So, all right, more on the Jazz coming up later in the show. As a matter of fact, more on the Jazz coming up next. Big T, Thurl Bailey, stay with us. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Big T, Thurl Bailey. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, state of the art smart irrigation controller, helps with first class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or call 877 346 3333. Big T, good morning. What's going on? Long time no talk to. Yeah, well. College football is slowing down. The Jazz are picking up steam. People are excited, have high expectations. Now, the last time the Jazz came home for a long stretch of games, things didn't go exactly as we expected. The time before that, things didn't go as expected. I'm looking at the schedule. They had five in a row at home, and they lost to Indiana and Miami. Everybody's disappointed. Came back home. For four in a row, lost the first one to New Orleans. Now, since then, they've won seven in a row. They swept a road trip and looked good. I think a lot of Jazz fans are thinking, this is going to get great because they're going to play six in a row at home between now and Christmas. Is it really going to get great? Or like the last two home stands, is there going to be a step backwards? What are you thinking? What's the vibe? How are you feeling? Where are you getting at, DJ? Where are you getting at, man? Are they better on the road than they are at home? They come home and think it's going to be too easy, and then it's not. Yeah, there's always that. 
um, I, you know, as much as I've been around this team and basketball itself, and there's no guarantees, obviously, but there is something to um, noticing a, a change, a difference. You know, I, I think when you talk about the streak, I'm not sure you you get that streak. I don't know if my expectations were they were going to come out of the block and just beat everybody. Um, but they struggled early on, right? They won some games, but, you know, they struggled with games, I think, you know, on paper at least, they, they probably should have won. But I don't think they get to where they are now without realizing what they needed to do. And I think that switch was really flipped after that second New Orleans Pelicans game um, when, you know, they talked about it. Donovan stepped up as a leader and talked about what he needed to do to change, how the team needed to to be better defensively and, and offensively. The shots would fall if they can create enough of them. Um, but defensively, they were just lacking in, in, in what they needed to do to keep other teams from, from going on those runs. So, you know, I, I don't think I, – I think they'll have times when they'll struggle again. But I think consciously now this team has really – something's really happened collectively um, that they're just playing well. And you can play well and lose, but if this Jazz team with all the weapons they have and, uh, and you know, two great, two really good rim protectors, um, you know, I, I think you'll see a different Jazz team than you saw, you know, on that that home home that first home return. It is the holiday season, Mister Bailey. Hey, PK. <laughs> 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 so, what I would like to see, I think this would be way cool. Because, you know, basketball is entertainment, right? You've got this deep, just beautiful voice. Oh, so, there you go. So, in the next game, you just broadcast it and act like you're the voice from uh, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one. That one? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you're talking about? People would just roll over laughing. <laughs> I think that's your favorite song. <laughs> and, you know, I looked it up. Who you? you know, I don't know if you know this. I do know it. The vocalist? Thurl Ravenscroft. Yeah, he's named Thurl. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, the voice of Tony the Tiger. They're great. Remember him? Yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> and you knew it. You already knew that he, you shared the same first name. And that's the only two guys on the planet that I know have that name. Come yeah. on. You were made for this. you got to yeah. drop it at some point in this holiday season. You know you do. You might be right <laughs> when nobody's expecting it. <laughs> Maybe when a ref makes a bad call. Well, you're going to be broadcasting the game on Christmas night. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like a call a ref makes. Yeah. You're a mean one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. I am so on board with this. I am co-signing this 100%. I give this 10 hot dogs out of 10. <laughs> yes, I mean, you were oh, built man. for this, man. That would be awesome. God blessed you with this amazing voice. And, I mean, you're a dead ringer for it, and you share the same first name. I mean, that's incredible. You were meant to do this. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? No. You got to tell Travis, <laughs> if there's a foul, 
I will I will tee you up because he's going to need a cue. Tee up tee. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll say, you let your voice get real high like you did when you said, hey, BK, and cracked us up. And you'll say, a foul. And Travis will cut to a tight shot of the referee. And then you'll drop the, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, which I'm not going to do because it'll Don't pale in comparison it's to you. It's probably yours. better if a, if a player, it's, if one of the Jazz players gets a technical foul. Okay. I know we can't we can't bank on that, but well, ask Joe to play along; he'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe gets it; it's entertainment. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Last week we had a Mike Smith, and I told him to work in that. You know that singer from Hawaii that it, the the guy was the obese guy. Israel was his first name, and he had that Hawaiian last name. And I told him on the postgame show, I said, work it in and get Alema to say it because Alema can say the name. And it's so cool in his Hawaiian accent, the way he says that guy's name. The guy's a beautiful singer. And he, uh, Mike said, yeah, okay. I said, well, how can I do it? I just say, come on. Mitchell's been in a phenomenal streak. Just say his jump shot now is as pure as that Hawaiian <laughs> singer's name. And he did it. He did it. He did it the other night. And they've been winning. So, of course, you can joke around and have fun when you win. We in the media have learned never joke around when the team is losing. That doesn't work. But when the team is winning, have fun with it. And so he dropped and he got a lemon to say the name. So now my mission is to get for you in this holiday season to drop the Mr. Grinch voice. And I, I just think that You're it's... You're selling it. Yeah, selling. it's entertainment and the fans will love it. The listeners will love it. I promise you. <laughs> and you may, they may even throw it on SportsCenter or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh man! Now with that now, in mind, we haven't talked in a while. <laughs> now we can get back to basketball. All right. I mean, I can I can drop a basketball question too. I, I don't know how much players look at standings, but after that, you already referenced that that New Orleans loss, and that Graham hit a phenomenal shot. Good for him. So be it. Uh, but I'm wondering. The team knew that okay, we got to get we got to get get going here. How much do you think the fact that I mean they unto themselves they know they got to get going irrespective of what's going on, but we see the two teams at the top pulling away a little bit, and maybe the Jazz are thinking, hey, we don't want these guys to get too far ahead of us here. We want to be you know seven eight games back. Uh, so, do you think that had any incentive beyond what they need to do themselves to make sure Phoenix and Golden State don't get too far ahead? No, no, I, I don't personally. Um, not from what I listen to the coaches say when we talk to coaches and we talk to players. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to. I mean, you, you kind of let your play do the talking for you. I don't know if you, you you don't focus on the standing, especially this early, right? You just go out and you take each game and you win. I know it sounds cliche-ish, but. You just uh, you play your best basketball, and you see what happens. And um, I think the Jazz are, are kind of in that groove. They went through a rough patch there for a while. Now they're coming, they're kind of ascending and and clicking and playing well. Um, and again, you know they're going to run into some some buzzsaw teams, right? Uh, and 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 teams that are just fighting to survive a play to be a play in team or or what have you but no I think the short answer to your question is no I, I don't think they they look at the standings and say wow we can't let these guys get too far ahead that that's a given almost 
right? When you lose games, you you know you don't watch the standings every day to see how far you're dropping. You just try to go out and win the next game and and uh, do what you can do. Worry about what you can control. So Rudy Gay is impressing us, not so much with the play on the court, although he is impressing us with that, but it, I think a more expected, uh, maybe how quickly and how well he's fitting, a little bit of surprise there. But we listen to interviews with the Jazz, and we just don't listen to guys be interviewed that often with other teams, and I'm hearing him drop nuggets, and I'm and I, maybe you know Thurl, I don't. Maybe he was like this, you know, in his early 20s. Um, but if he's anything like most of us, you know, we're different at 32 than we are at 22. And and PK was just, or PK and Jake were talking about a, a line he just dropped and how impressive it was. And like a week before that, he was asked about fitting in with the Jazz, and he answered the question not by answering it, but he gave a great answer. He says, "Well, coach has a plan." And when he said it, I thought, well, he's been by a coach by someone. He sat in the locker room and thought, this coach doesn't have a plan. <laughs> we are all over the map. <laughs> you know, He had touched the stove and it had been hot. And so he gets here. Quinn lays out a plan. He says, oh, okay, I see what this guy's doing. And I'm just curious. We, we worry about how big a team is, how fast a team is, how, how well a team shoots the ball. But, but how much of the winning equation is having guys who can sit in the locker room, hear the plan, and think, that plan makes sense, this guy's plan makes sense? Because when he said it, he was answering the question, but it wasn't the way anyone expected him to go. Well, first of all, the plan doesn't work unless you can sell it, <clears throat> right? I mean, I think Quinn Snyder is a, a genius, all the, the, the things that go through his mind and that he's, he's tried to sell these players over the years to get to a championship. Um, and, and of course, you know, everyone has to buy in. I, mean, I, I guess you don't have to buy in, but, you know, if, if you're looking, if you're really gay and, you know, you, you've decided to come to this team for whatever reasons that aren't necessarily about money, you want to win, right? And you, you know, you've seen this team, you've seen how they operate, you've seen um, the roles that different players play on the team, and then you see yourself fitting into that. So uh, I think Rudy did all that before he even decided to come here. He knew that there was a plan, it was, and he bought into it. But, um, and now he's, you know, he, now that he's healthy and, ready and, and playing, um, he's continually buying into it because he knows what his role is. So, so yeah, I think Rudy's in a place in his uh, in his career where he he gets it right. He knows that you know it's not necessarily about him, but it is about him and the role, important role that he's going to play on this team to try to bring a, a ring to this state. And so, um, you know, when you look at the Jazz teams. Last year, year before, what's been missing? Uh, I, I think that that Rudy Gay piece is amazingly a good fit for the Jazz, just because of who he is and his experience and his size and his ability to to stretch the three and play the five on occasion and be out there with Rudy and play the four. So, um, yeah, I think he gets it. He knows that there, there's some ingredients here that that he's a big part of. 
And he's been in this league a long time, as we all know, and he's played well for a long time. So when I look at him and his contributions that he makes, I'm not surprised at all because this is what I expected. So he's delivering on what the anticipation was that he would be able to do. The surprise in the addition column comes to me in the form of Hassan Whiteside. I did not know what to expect. I knew he had some good times in the league, and he's had some down times. I did not know he would be this good, this valuable. How about you? Um, I think it was a question mark for. I think we knew how good he could be. Uh, you know, obviously this is up to him. And I think there was there was a learning curve there, as it is with most new guys who come into a system that they've only seen from the exterior. Um, but his ability to to just play basketball now and understand and, uh, and what the Jazz are trying to accomplish. Um, is showing. I mean, you know, specifically, <clears throat> you know, in the Jazz's last game in in Washington, um, it, it, just for him to be able to come in, regardless of how many minutes he plays, um, you know, he comes in and is is an impactful player because he's coming in for a guy who is already a great defender, right? And so now you've got to find your way and your relationship with the guys you're out there on the floor with, pick and roll and all those things. Um, Hassan, is he's got a lot of ability, and I think he's even going to get better as the season goes on as he learns how to stay in games and, and not get in foul trouble in a short amount of minutes. But, my goodness, what a luxury to have two bigs. That's what I'm excited about because, you know, there was a while that we weren't talking about bigs in the league. We were talking about them being a dinosaur and, and playing small ball for everybody. Right, so you know, it's just refreshing to have two guys who are impacting the game, kind of in an old school way, but but doing their thing to you know to to bring again get the ultimate goal here, but just bring a championship. So that's some good pieces there, with, with obviously two really good bigs. All right, Thoreau, we could talk to you all day long. We could also listen to you sing about the Grinch all day long. <laughs> I suspect you have more to do than just chat with us, but we'll have you back on the show, and we'll see if the Jazz have piled up a bunch more wins before then. All right, guys. Big T, we appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. All talk right. Talk to you guys again. Bye-bye. There is Big T Thurl Bailey. Coming up next, we're going to switch to college football. Later this morning, we got Riley John Riley Jensen on, our college football insider, and former BYU AD Rondo Felberg will be here. And we will talk with Rondo about BYU to the Big 12 and BYU's commitment to Kalani and how much things have changed over the last 25 years. So look forward to that coming up. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk BYU football with Dylan Colley. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, the former BYU wide receiver joins us next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How are we doing? We are doing well. How are you? Doing well. Just getting ready for uh, the old Christmas season. Yep. I'm curious, since you were speaking of the Christmas season, you know, the bowl season um, used to be, I don't think it used to start right back in the day until like December 27th or whatever. The holiday bowl is way early. Uh, and then it's 
just basically become TV programming. So as soon as Army Navy is done, gear up. Here comes the bowl season. As an athlete, and you were in Hawaii, and they've had to play Christmas Eve and Christmas Day Hawaii Bowls. I'm wondering how bad that is. I'm wondering when you have to play in one of these early bowls and they clearly don't have as much status, but you're done and free for Christmas and New Year's. Players can go home. Coaches can hang out with their families. It's a recruiting dead period. How nice is that, and how much do you like to play in a December 29 or 30 bowl game because that's when the bowl season really heats up and, and better games and ranked teams tend to play? How do you rank all that stuff? What, what matters to players? Yeah, Um I think the biggest the biggest thing is actually playing in a bowl game, right, and having that opportunity. You know, as many sponsors as there are right now, and the amount of bowl games that there are. Um, granted, like they're definitely diluted, and there's definitely a lot of games that are washed out. But um, it still is a great experience, no matter the game that you play in, to just be able to go and hang out with your teammates in a much you know more loose environment. Um, like to me, outside of and, and obviously growing up with the bowl experience, right, and then playing in a couple, um, you know, one if you're not playing in the New Year's Six Bowl, if you're not playing obviously at the time, and it'd be to be able to be done prior to Christmas is definitely the way to go. Um, and outside of like when you look at bowl games that you want to go to, right? Cause Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve was kind of difficult. It wasn't phenomenal, especially when you're living in Hawaii, right? Um, you want to be able to get home to your family, but for everybody else, like the people that were coming out to play on the Island, like that's a, that's a prime time game. You get a full in Hawaii, right? You get four or five days in Hawaii. And then the game is done you know, by seven or eight. And if your team charters, like you're back home, you know, Christmas morning, and then you have all of Christmas break, uh, to be with your family and friends. And so, you know, that's, uh, a lot of fun. Um, but the two, and then maybe even outside of the white bowl, but the other bowl games that you want to go to are one of the games in San Diego and one of the games in Vegas. Um, if you can go to the Vegas Bowl, the Vegas Bowl is hands down the best bowl experience when it comes to outside of the, the NY6. Like, no questions asked. Cool. Good to know. I'm sure you're well aware of the big announcement last week. Uh, I mean, players go to schools and they want to compete at the highest level. And uh, you, I don't know that BYU is necessarily going to make a financial commitment at the highest level. Probably not. We don't know all the details, but it's clear to us that they are making a bigger, better commitment, which I think can pay untold dividends. It may not pay dividends for the second generation of colleagues, but I'm expecting, you know, in 10 years or so, maybe 15 to third generation of colleagues running around at BYU. And uh, with that in mind, um, your reaction to BYU up in the ante, because Tom said that literally, we knew we had to up the ante as far as uh, funding the football program. Yeah. And that's something that we've, we've talked about, right? Like they had to make some sort of match or increase to um, really level up, to be a part and to be a serious kind of competitor in the Big 12 like they want to be. 
the first thing you had to do was pay the coaches and, and pay the support staff and increase resources. And you had to take yourself to that next level. It's like you've been in an office space, right? That's uh, in, you know, uh, in a business park and you're now in a situation where you need to be in a bigger market city and you need to buy a building. And so, um, from the sounds of it, right, uh, Tom bought the building and he put his eggs in that basket. And I genuinely believe that it's the best decision for BYU and the position that they're in and what they're going into. Um, there isn't a, a better guy for the situation right now than Kalani Sataki. Um, and I genuinely believe that what happens over the next you know, six, seven years will be game-changing and put BYU in a position to – you know, compete for opportunities to play in the Big 12 championship, right, to be in the playoff picture um, and, and to be right where BYU's, you know, kind of wanted to be for so long and talked about being for so long. Uh, you know, all the actions are finally being being put into place to make that happen. I thought if there was anything encouraging in that, it was that Tom said, you know, they're going to keep looking. If they need to adjust, they will adjust. Because when you look at what the top of the uh, Big 12 has been paying, and you can set aside Oklahoma and Texas because they're leaving, but TCU was paying right. $6.1 million. Now they're, they change coaches, and their new coach isn't getting that. He's probably at about four and a half, which is still the top of the league. That seems like it's further than BYU would want to go. But also, that seems where college football is going. And I thought when Tom said, we're going to keep track of it, and if we need to adjust, we'll make adjustments, I thought that was encouraging because even though they've gone in deeper in the pool than they've ever been, they didn't go all the way to the deep end, it seems clear. But it seems like they know if they're going to be in the Big 12, they need to be good in the Big 12 and do what that takes. And I think a lot of that shows what BYU and what the relationship that Kalani has with BYU the school is to him, how important the program is to him. This isn't just a, uh, you know, this is a, this is a legacy move. And what he's doing to be able to say, hey, guys, like, I don't expect you to pay the top, top dollar, right, for what I've done. But let's keep an open mind. I'm willing, right, and open to have those conversations for the adjustments. Um, and Tom being, you know, very willing and wanting to do those things. Like, this is, you're in a good situation when, when you have two guys like Tom and Kalani um, in negotiations. Uh, to be honest with you, knowing both of them very well and personally and, you know, growing up with, with Tom, um, as him and my dad were teammates at BYU and good friends for a very long time, like, I, I don't imagine that those conversations uh, in those coming weeks to that decision being made, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, spice or banter um, in regards to money. It was genuinely two people getting together and talking about what was best for BYU and putting in them in the best position to win. And part of that is delivering a certain amount of money. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, recruiting is the critical component to get good players. I'm wondering, based on your experience and your brothers and even probably your father, you know, how much of a difference this will make in recruiting. And my question for you is, how many of the guys that you think, and I, I can't pinpoint exactly, but I'll ask you generally speaking, the guys who go to BYU, how many of you do you think wanted to go to BYU 
and were intent on going to BYU, even if they didn't have all the bells and whistles, because BYU is where they wanted to be. Could you put a percentage on that? With the top, like with the top athletes, with the guys with multiple offers, right? Uh, the guys who genuinely just wanted to be at BYU for what BYU is, is maybe twenty percent, maybe twenty five percent. That low, huh? Yeah, uh, I think I think the bells and whistles and the culture of the program, right, and where it's headed and the momentum and all of these things. Um, you know, it it does make what a lot of people will say, right? The cultural side of it, it, it kind of washes that out. And before that was kind of a worry for a lot of people. And you look at, for instance, what you know, Jamal Williams setting that pace in the sense of Jamal had, you know, Utah, San Diego State, Boise State at the time, right? And this was in 2011, 2012, when those teams were top tier, you know, that's when the, those teams were kind of, uh, they were in the top 25 every year. They were big programs. And, um, you know, he genuinely set the tone of was one of the very few guys, LBS or not, that was, you know, he loved BYU for BYU. And that was probably one of the rarest things that I had ever seen uh, out of any of the teammates that my brothers had that I had or anything like that. And so it's a, it's a very, very small amount that are just like, yes, I'm going to BYU just for BYU. I think a lot of you fans love the voice you just did. That was good. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so how much does the needle move at the other end here? The more they win, how much do more guys, church members or not church members, become available and open to the coaching staff? And how much is the coaching staff just wasting time pursuing guys that are going to come in second on? How much does this really change? Because they're sitting on 21 wins. They could be 22-3 and three over two years if they win this bowl game. Well, they will be if they win the bowl game. Yeah, and and I, I, it's a game changer. Like this is everything that they're doing is lining up with a team that is entering the Big Twelve and doesn't just want to say, "Hey, let's, okay, we're going to go into the Big Twelve and we're going to you know build out this program and we're going to make adjustments and all of these things." That the adjustments that are being made are okay. One. Right, we're going in to compete in the Big Twelve right away. Okay, and then the adjustments are coming. If how close are we to winning the Big Twelve? How close are we to getting ourselves in a playoff picture? Um, you know, those those elements of it. It's not like, hey, we're just building this program to get ready for the Big Twelve. The or while we're in the Big Twelve, like when this conference entrance happens, BYU expects to be competing. Uh, at the highest level and competing for championships and doing that realistically in order to do that, uh, they're needing to make sure that they have access to these types of athletes. And I think, you know, even over the last two or three years, you're seeing um, LDS and LDS guys make BYU a priority in their recruiting stops. And I think that they have that great opportunity to be successful because they have a lot to offer when they go into the Big 12. The fan base is incredible, and now we've got the financial commitment. Looks like Kalani will be there and going into basketball. Pope's a dynamic guy and all that stuff. 
Uh, I'm wondering, uh, do you foresee a situation where, and they don't necessarily make it public, but they sort of loosen the standards a little bit and not are so persnickety on every little thing. And if you step one inch across that line, we're going to zap you, whatever that line is. You know, obviously, if you go out and commit a crime, the the line, we're not talking about that. But we're just talking about day-to-day stuff that seems like these rules. Well, tell them the pregame shaving story. Yeah, you may even know it. Uh, there was a star player, and this was told to me by somebody who knows exactly what they're talking about, that came in the locker room, a star player, and was told 20 minutes before kickoff, you've got to shave. You can't go out there looking like this 20 minutes before kickoff. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, it's not basketball. You're, you're, you're in a football field with a helmet on, and who cares, you know, what you look like uh, at, and game day, you know? And if you don't want to shave, so be it. Do you, do you see, and, I, and I'm trying to, and I got to be careful here because I'm not saying, well, just become right. of the world and just blow your standards off for the sake of winning. But at the same time, just maybe loosen up a little bit. I once had a coach ask me, just, why can't I just grow my mustache just down a little bit below my mouth? I said, Coach, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. All I know is it's stupid. And he was a great coach. He's not there anymore. But do you foresee maybe they can loosen it up a little bit? Because uh, I always find it interesting when he goes back for pro day, even the great Taysom Hill, who is the model LDS guy, they have beards because they're finally cut free. <laughs> and they can, they can loosen up a little bit. Do you see that maybe they could do that? Yeah, and, you know, there's and that that is obviously right a, 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 a tough topic right because you do have all these wants and you want to have long hair and you want to have you know a, a full beard if you can do it and you you want all of these things but ultimately and depending on who the coach is right the way that Kalani enables players to choose who they are as people Right, and giving them, um, and ultimately leading by example. Right, it is very difficult to not want to be the best version of yourself to represent the school, um, and do it in a way that, you know, hey, if that means shaving, if that means keeping your hair short, you know, uh, you're gonna do it, and. Ultimately, these are all things that you come into the university knowing. Now, to say that it is as cut and dry, right, as, hey, oh, you do that one thing and, or you step over the line and it's all over and it's all said and done, I think that's one of the kind of greatest misconceptions in terms of, and, and this is going to take this a little bit to the next level and maybe not a sports show, but uh, when you understand and you look at the way that, Right, the school is modeled after, and and who owns the school, and you know, being the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, there is a focus on that Christ-like love when looking into these, you know, types of honor code infractions and things like that. And you're given options, and you're given choices. Now, if your boss were to come to you two, and you guys had beards, and your boss said, "Hey, go ahead and shave that, or else we're not going to pay you," right? There are some members of the boosters. Okay, who are donating a plethora of money, who may come in and say, hey, guess what, right? 
you're going to need to shade that because they're old school and they have a certain way and you know they want that old that old school look now in terms of getting in the way of the money right if there's a certain standard that your boss wants you to keep you're going to go and keep that standard right uh, because you don't want it to get in the way of the money. And so there's so many aspects of that conversation that are difficult to discuss. I think in today's game, you see it all the time, right? You see guys with a little more scruff. You see guys with a little bit longer hair. Um, and these are all things that are just kind of uh, part of the growth of the program. And when the expectation from Kalani is to genuinely be the best version of yourself, you're still going to have guys that don't give, like, they don't care. Right. Like they're still going to go out and do things that they shouldn't be doing. And, and they're going to go and put themselves first instead of the team first. But uh, when it comes to the honor code, it's more of a, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, chances are you're going to make some mistakes because the honor code is extremely, you know, tight. Uh, but you'd hope that, you know, you just kind of work your best and, and try and make the most of it. And Kalani understands that. And, that's ultimately his goal. And the way that he enforces that is with genuine love. And, you know, you get guys who are a lot more uh, prone to choosing that way than going off the scale on the complete opposite side because they're so forced into doing things like it has been in the past. So Yach's got the clock on us, but we're probably about 15 minutes in the interview and we've not asked you a thing about the bowl game. Do you consider a victory foregone conclusion and we shouldn't be talking about it or there's stuff that worries you and you better pass that along to the audience right now? Yeah, no, there's nothing that worries me. I honestly think I, I think it'll be a great opportunity for guys to um, to get the bowl experience, you know, for, for you to play the freshmen who uh, still have a few games so they don't burn red shirts, right? And a uh, good opportunity for Baylor to play some, hopefully, and um, yeah, if, if you want to put a stamp on the season, right, uh, you walk into that game and you just absolutely dominate and you make, uh, ultimately you kind of make a mockery of <laughs> what the college football playoff is in the New Year's Six Bowls and you just say, hey, you know, yeah, expected to blow this team out and we're going to blow this team out. So that would be uh, my vote of uh, direction in this game. Well, we appreciate the time as always, Dylan. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again. Absolutely. See you guys. There's Dylan Colley. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.